Hello. I will be speaking today about, about FOMO, the fear of missing out. And I think some of you knew that I was talking about this. Who knew that I was talking about this and came specifically because they didn't want to miss out, see? It is, it is a real thing. Um, so I, there's so much online about this topic. It's really devastating people's lives. And just to kind of touch on what I want to talk about is, it's this idea that something's happening somewhere that is better than what you're doing. Someone's living a life somewhere that's better than the life you're living. Someone has something that you would like to have. And it is really amplified by this technology that while it connects us, it also is dividing us. So we can see in real time when all of our friends are hanging out without us. Which for me is kind of normal. Like, I have a lot of friends that are like 22. I am not 22. So it's okay. They can hang out without me. I'm okay. Um, but I know that that is a real thing. Like, you can look on your phone and you're like, oh, looks like they're all free birds right now. I'm hungry. What do I do? Like, it's hanging over your head. And then, if, if that's not you, if you're like, I'm an introvert, I can just stay home. I don't need to be with all the people. Maybe you're the person that's like, oh, if only I had exposed beams. Me, that's me. If only I had exposed beams in my ceiling. If only I could go on a vacation with all of my extended family where everything is paid for. I see they're doing it. It looks beautiful. I would like that. That is a fear of missing out. I'm fearing that I'm missing out on something. So I would say 100% of you have experienced this, whether you would voluntarily say that you have or not. But... I think it stems from wanting to be connected, right? We were born for connection. We were born to be a part of a family. So God creates the world, Genesis. He makes one man. Does he stop? Was he like, you know what? This guy's kind of a loner. Let's just, I think it's just gonna be me and him. We're just gonna have like this cool, no. He's like, it's not good for him to be alone. I'm making someone else so that he can be in community. And then God is their friend. God walks with them. God talks to them. Who is the first person to introduce FOMO into the world? Who's in the garden that says to Eve, do you know what you don't have? Do you know what you don't have? Don't you wish you had that? Yuck! It was his idea. This is Satan's idea. This is not a new idea. Satan is the father of FOMO. <laughs> that, <laughs> he invented it. Because I don't want to be the person that's going to really... 
I mean, yes, I do. Never mind. I want to be the person that tells you Satan wants to kill you and make you ineffective. But if he can't kill you, he's just going to distract you. Because his goal, if he can't kill you, is to make sure that you're not doing what God has assigned on your life. So if God has given you an assignment and surrounded you with people to minister to and be in community with, all Satan wants to do is just worm his way in there to break that apart with comparison, with jealousy, with that feeling of like, oh, do they really like me? Are they really my friends? Would they have invited me if they knew that I wanted to go? Like, he plants those seeds in our minds because that is the battlefield here. In, in America, there's like a different place for the demonic and it's like in your mind. It's usually not as obvious. So that's my lightweight intro for my message. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about two different ways that we live out um, this idea of FOMO. And the first one is trying to do everything and be everywhere and be friends with everyone so that we never miss anything. <laughs> and that, that's not really the example that Jesus set, right? He ministered to thousands of people at once. Hundreds of people followed him. A dozen were his really good friends, but he had a couple that he was really close to. It's okay to just have a couple close friends that you have special like one-on-one -on -one time with, and there's this idea that you have to invite everyone everywhere. I don't see that in Jesus' life. He had intentional time with different people, and I think that for a lot of us who maybe don't like to be front and center or the life of the party or whatever it is, like if you're a quieter person that doesn't want to share what's on your heart with like five or six of the people, maybe you just want like one person to talk to. The idea of always being in a big group of people is stressful. So I guess my point is if you're trying to be everywhere and do everything with everyone, you're going to miss people. Because if you're hanging out in a big group all the time, there are quiet people that you're never going to get to know. So I would just encourage you that if you are one of those people that is maybe a little bit more reserved, like make time during your week to have like one-on-ones with people. Because if that's how you go deeper as a friend, that's, that's really going to impact your life because then when you're in a big group like this, you'll have like a safe face to look at. You know what I mean? Um, I would, I asked their permission, but I feel like Courtney and KK are an amazing example of two people that are so pivotal in two huge areas of our community. You have Ivy Worship and Jesus Burgers. And they are so pivotal in both of those ministries, but they make time to hang out, just the two of them. And that is so special because they're, it's not like there's a Jesus Burgers, I Love Vista Worship hybrid group that they, like it's just the two of them. And it's really special to see people make time for a friend. So if you're someone that needs one-on-one -on -one time and you get lost in the crowd, you need to speak up. So I just think that you need to remember that Jesus didn't have a hundred best friends. <laughs> um, 
The other way that we might deal with FOMO is that we don't commit to things until the very last second, just in case something better comes along. So, I don't know if you guys have ever thrown a party or any sort of gathering in Southern California, but I moved here about 19 years ago from the Midwest, and I was horrified by the lack of RSVPs. Horrified. No one wants to commit. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I might, I might stop by. What kind of food is there? Maybe. I might. You need to make a yes or no statement. Stop waiting to the last minute to commit, like, what if something better is happening somewhere else? Make the thing that you're doing the best. Go to that. <laughs> yes, bring the food. The Bible is full of promises. God does not ever hesitate making promises and commitments. Why are we hesitant to make promises and commitments? Why, why, didn't, why do people not want to say they're dating? Oh, I'm just like hooking up with someone. What? what we, date? We, are you boyfriend, girlfriend? No, we're not boyfriend, girlfriend. We're just dating. Okay. Well, why do people have such a hard time going deeper. It's like you're planting a tree and uprooting it like every month. How is anything supposed to grow? How? How will you know what's going to grow if you never give it time? Which requires investment. So I think it's just the world continually is offering you, what about new, better, new, better, new, better phone? Get a new phone every year. Every year it's a little bit better. Is it? I don't, I don't think so. It says, so first verse, 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, the pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. <laughs> Is First John popular? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we just want, we don't want to miss out on things. We don't want to be unwanted. We don't want to be uninvited. Right? We don't want to miss out. But do you trust God? Why would, he, why would he hold back wonderful things from you if you trust him? I think my two, my two main points that I wanted to hit on are trust God and love people. If we trust God, he would never trick us. He would never tease us, right? There's that amazing Amanda Cook song. He, he would not hold back, right? He doesn't give his heart in pieces. He would not do that. People do that. We're to trust God and love people. That's the opposite of what the world says, right? There's this thing like the world and heaven and the world and heaven. And we keep trying to like <sighs> resolve them. <laughs> um, I just 
in, in preparing for this message, the more I looked into this fear of missing out, the more I was just convinced like, oh, this is from the pit of hell. It, it's like telling you to question your worth. Don't invest where God has you because what if something better is coming along? It divides people. It, it, it causes fraction within friend groups. You're dissatisfied. You're rejected. All the conversation in our mind is about us. And you guys, do you know what I realized? Um, FOMO also stands for focusing on myself only. Because that's what it's about. If all I'm worried is about myself, how am I ever going to give anything to anyone that God has put in my life? Right? You can't, you can't do that. If all my thoughts are about what I don't have and what I wish that I had and what I, oh, if I could only, and if, if everything is just a question mark of like, do, do they still like me? Are they still my friend? When will I ever get that? Like, have you guys ever been with kids the day after Christmas? Are they satisfied? No. They're horrible. Because all the things that they got just woke this beast inside them of like, I can get so many more things. What if I get more things? And then they always get money for Christmas, and it's like the day after Christmas is, what are we going to get next? We need to ask God, where do you have me? Who do you have in my life? How can I serve them? The last thing he says, do you love me? Before Jesus goes up into heaven, he's like, do you love me? What does he say? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Take care of my sheep. Who are your sheep? Do you know? Or are you so concerned about what you don't have that you don't see there's sheep all around you? Um... Have you guys ever had like a little success and then like told every single person you know? Because I wanted to talk about just how there's this idea that, um, I don't know, there, there's like, we always talk about wanting to live like Jesus. And he healed people and told them, don't tell anybody. So Matthew 9.30, then their eyes were opened. He just healed, healed a bunch of blind people, right? They could see. And Jesus sternly warned them, don't tell anyone about this. If you're trying to grow your business and you have a successful customer interaction, do you, are you, this is the first, please don't tell anyone where you bought this. Please don't tell anyone about my business. No. <laughs> but it's like that that is, that's literally how he lived. And one thing that I did notice is that in the hierarchy of Jesus' friendships, right, you have the thousands he's ministering to, you have the hundreds following him, you have the dozen close, you have the few that are his really close friends. What is the one place, what's the one thing he does and prioritizes above all of those that dictates what happens in his life is time alone with the Father, all of those relationships, all of that ministry stems from his time alone with the Father because that is his assignment. That's where he gets his assignment, right? Do you guys ever forget what your job is? 
he would love to tell you again, and he's not mad that you forgot. In all the voices that we hear, and all the things that we're constantly rattling around in our minds, his voice needs to be the loudest one. And it so often is not. It's often the quietest, but it's the most consistent, and it never stops. But if we can just stop, <laughs> and maybe walk for 30 miles, right? <laughs> then, then we might be able to hear it. Um, but it, it's a choice, and it requires turning some things off. And we're really unwilling to do that. We're always measuring ourselves against some unrealistic standard, right? This curated who knows who that has some perfect life somewhere, some mansion in Utah with a perfectly manicured everything. It's like. Why, why do we find these things to measure our lives against? Because God chose to make each of us unique. Every single person, he started from the beginning. He's like, oh, I'm gonna make you different and then make you, like every single person is different. Why are we trying to all be the same? Why are we trying to copy, right? Like, the best version of ourselves looks nothing like the person next to us. That's amazing. But the world would have you look and say, oh, this is your standard. You must measure up to this. And if you are not this, then you are a failure. And people probably don't like you. I want to read James 4, um, verses 4 through 6. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he's placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives, gracious, he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but give grace to the humble. I want to touch a little bit on the you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. Um, I was thinking about that verse, because a lot of times people will say, oh, I've just been praying and asking God, and he just, he won't give me what I want. And it reminded me of, like, if a child wants to have pixie sticks for breakfast, and they ask you every single day, the goal is not for you to say, you know what, that's what makes you happy. Have pixie sticks for breakfast. The goal is for your child to realize, these make me feel like garbage. I don't want to eat this for breakfast. Please make me something healthy. That's what I want to ask for. The goal is not for God to grant your wishes. The goal is to let God guide your heart to what he has for you, which is best. 
So if you have some checklist in your mind and God is not answering all of those things, I would really suggest that you lay those at his feet and say, God, please burn these up if they are not of you. Even if that leaves you with no dreams, even if all that's left is your love for God, that, will, that should be enough for your whole life. So thinking about, <laughs> thinking about trusting God and loving people, this is how I'm loving all of you. I'm trying to tell you what I think you need to hear that might not be the gentlest message, but I'm really not known for that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I really feel like we need to trust God. He created us with our own unique lives. And to worry that someone else is doing something so much better that we can't have, that someone else's life is so much better, that our friends don't love us, like, those are lies from the pit of hell. Please, don't entertain them anymore. Because that is giving Satan a voice in your thought life. So I think we all can agree that we don't want Satan in our thought life, right? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, cool. So good. Thank you, Jess. All right, fam, you guys know how this works. You're just going to text me the questions. I'm never going to say this came from you, so you can text wherever you want. Like, I didn't like her delivery. Um, okay, I'm not going to say anything about that one, but you can text that. Um, anyway, that was powerful. Good job. Truth is truth. First question, did Aaron make that sweatshirt? Come on, Aaron. All right, I guess I actually feel a lot better than I thought. I'm just stepping up and down here. <laughs> here we go. All right, question one. Is my number up there? Not yet. Most of you have it. Some of you have it. Enough of you have it. So why is FOMO a problem in community? In community, there's always going to be groups of people that are gathering, right? And <laughs> there's, there's not everyone can be invited always, you know? Like, I, I remember finding out about, like, something that a bunch of my friends did that I didn't go to. And it's like this test of your heart of, like, can I be excited that they got to have this cool thing that I couldn't have gone to? It would have been different if I was there, and I'm so thankful that they got to do it. But how do you get there? You just trust God because he puts us where he wants us to be. And I think in community it can be hard because there's, there's either a tendency to like try to like do something where you have like a certain group, that you're hanging out with and it's like oh is this like just us or who else is coming or is everyone coming like there's like a there's no protocol um but we are all invited to heaven so 
I would just encourage you, like, unless you're having a serious one-on-one with someone, just like remember, like, we're we're all invited to heaven. So maybe invite people like you feel like Jesus would invite. And again, he didn't invite everybody always to everything. It's okay. So sometimes it's not you. It's sometimes it's like you can only have those conversations with a certain group of people. That's okay. Sometimes you know, guys, it's not about you. Sometimes it's not about you. It's about other people. So good. Um, it's not like this happened all the time, but over the years, I mean, been pastoring for close to twenty and people come to me not often too they just bounce out of church and I don't even know why you could always have a hey Jason I'm leaving I'll give you a hug and I won't question you you know if I know you more I may push in a little um anyway that's a different note but people have left this church because of this exact reason in community where they're like I make plans with people here and then they cancel you know, or they decide, like you said, last minute, but then they don't show up. And it's like, I just can't do this. Like, there's just not relationship with this church, you know, because of this issue. Okay, they're coming in hard now. Um, okay. Can you speak to the emotional processing involved with working through FOMO fears, like the heart tools? I feel like it's very hard to just change the behavior. These questions are coming real time. That person added another one. So, tools for. Oh, yeah. I think that a lot of times it's like physical therapy with your mind, which, if you've ever done physical therapy, is super boring. And you're like, how is this ever going to change anything? You're like, I'm doing this. This is never going to change. But if you've ever had to do that with your thought life, it's like. I'm thinking these thoughts. No, I'm not going to think those thoughts. They're doing something without me. They must not like me. Nope. No, they don't. It's fine. I, I don't. It's okay. Their perception of who I am or being invited does not dictate my self-worth. Like, I know who I am. God has told me who I am because I'm seated in heavenly places, and he's called me a saint and a child of God, so I'm good. But it's like repeating those things to the point where you you maybe don't believe them when you're first saying them. That's okay. Like, I don't believe that my knee is going to feel better if I do this, whatever, you know, like some dumb exercise. But like over time, it does change and things get stronger and you'll discover things about yourself. I think as you, as you just try and just remind yourself of what's true. If there's a lot of question marks, Find something that's true. Unless someone says to your face, we didn't invite you because we don't like you. No one, I don't think, is really saying that. Maybe people are. I don't know. I feel like people are not that direct. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. How do you know the difference between clicks and exclusion and FOMO? When does something become exclusive and unloving? Well, clicks, exclusion. This is hard because I didn't go to school, so (laughs) I didn't really experience. I don't mean that I can't speak to you. I just mean I didn't go to high school, so I didn't experience that aspect of what I think a lot of people had in their lives, like 
cliques and things like that. I was homeschooled, and so it's like me and my mom and my sister. <laughs> so there were not a lot of cliques. Um, <laughs> um, there were the cool kids, though. <laughs> I think that cliques leave no room for flexibility. Like, if you're a clique, it's almost like I hear it locking, like, click, 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 like, they, like, there's no room. There's no room for a person. There's no room for a friend. There's no room for, like, oh, this person just moved here. Cool, well, we've all clicked into place, and there's no space for you. Um, I think there needs to be a much more open-handed approach to living your life in community and with friends. You guys never know what's going on with someone that, like, having an open heart to people is really important and you're not called to be all of their best friends but you are called to love them you don't have to like them but you have to love them right yeah. i mean something i'll say too is i'm always praying that we never become like a country club this church that people can come here no matter what like socioeconomic race way they even believe we may not all believe the same you know i mean i was like who's voting this everyone's like ah, you know but it's like i just love that i think the church was meant to be a place where everyone can be invited no matter what you believe or think and so finding a way to you know open our hearts to people is huge you know it's a huge thing Okay, I got to keep moving these. There, there's a lot. Um, it's easy to get rid of FOMO when you're off social media. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have that growing up. Much different. Uh, is it possible to have a healthy relationship with social media as it relates to FOMO? I definitely think that that's, this is true, that you can, it's fine to be on social media and have it not dictate your happiness. However, I will quote my husband when he said you never are happier <laughs> after you've been online <laughs> it's never it's never like you leave your time on Instagram like oh I feel so filled up <laughs> so it's if you're starting out right here the there's only downhill but I will say I love how Brianna called you out for following less than 300 people on Instagram, which really inspired me to go through and unfollow so many people, so many. I'm down to like under 400. Yeah. If you are not encouraged or lifted up by what someone is saying or posting, please unfollow. Done. Mute. Why? Why are they? In your, why are you looking at that? Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. With your vacation pictures, nope, unfollow. <laughs> Sweet. Um, how could we call each other out and encourage each other to break the FOMO culture as a community? Say it again or no? Sure. Okay. How do we call each other out and encourage each other to break the FOMO culture as a community? I think that it's almost like you can do like social testimonies, like, oh, I got to have dinner with this person last night. 
cool. I got to have coffee with like to talk about the times that you had with the different people in this community. Oftentimes we don't talk about them because we're like, I don't know, is that weird to talk about like this time that was really meaningful to me? I think it's like you can testify about how good these different friendships are. And the, like, I love bragging on how cool all of you are. It's so fun because this is, this community is so rich in people that have amazing lives and God is doing such incredible things in and through them. And I think that a way to break this FOMO culture would be to just like demystify what you're doing. Like, don't be weird about it. Like, what are you doing tonight? I'm just like busy. Like, just say what you're doing. It's fine. <laughs> like, people are so weird about like not wanting to hurt other people. It's like, it's okay. Not everybody can do everything. No one has a house that's big enough. Like, literally, it's a logistics issue. Like, you can't hang out with that many people. <laughs> so if you're secretly sitting on a really big living room, let us know. Yeah. Can you read this question? It's really short, so you could just read it. Why is it important to commit to things? Hmm. Who sent that one? Okay. <laughs> Why is it important to commit to things? I feel like I know somebody that said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything else is from the evil one. Yeah. Yeah. Say yes or say no. Yes, I'll be there. No, I won't be there. There is so much freedom in both of those things. Have you ever said yes to something and you felt like you were put in jail immediately? Have you ever said no to something and felt like you were put in jail immediately? Like, there's something that happens when you, when you make the wrong call. I would suggest being a little prayerful, but also you should commit to things because there is honor and commitment. God made so many promises many of which people died before they had come to fruition, but they died knowing that God was going to be faithful. We should do that too. I like this one. Um, I think many of us have experienced feelings of being left out, so this topic feels sensitive. If anyone here is feeling sensitive or triggered by this, what are some action items for us to grow new friend groups within our communities that have continually been disappointed? Um, I think that it's good to pursue friendship with someone that you are interested in getting to know better. And if that's really hard for you, I would just ask God for some, like, some bravery because I think there, there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of hurt. Like, I'm sure we have all hurt. We could probably do like some sort of hurt connection where everyone in this room has hurt everyone else at some point, right? We've all disappointed each other. We've all said stupid things. Pretty much can guarantee it. But I think that there needs to be a measure of grace um, because that's what God has shown us. Like he's, he's shown us so much grace and we need to show others grace and the ability to grow. As far as the having been hurt in community 
and wanting connection. I think that, like, when Courtney was talking about all the different things happening during the week, like, are people doing, like, yeah, like, showing up to things. Like, if people see your face everywhere, they probably get to know you a little bit. And I don't know. I feel like sometimes people are always asking, like, why is no one asking me to do something when maybe you're supposed to ask people to do something with you. Like, that can be something that you're able to do. I'm kind of forgetting the whole question. It was pretty long. It was long. Do you have anything to Uh, round that out? I like this. Someone kind of wrote an answer. Um, I know, right? These are questions, but we'll take answers sometimes. Possible answer to this question is the lack of honest that our culture has with each other. When we know when our brother sins against us, we go to them directly. This is Jesus saying this, okay? Because it's not this person. Uh, We go to them directly. Then we bring another. Then we bring the church. I believe when there is rejection or no commitment, um, okay, so you have been dishonest with your yes, and with that person needs to go to that person and call them out. It's not judgment, it's honesty. So what they're saying, it was kind of cryptic, but is, you know, if someone, you know, we'll just use Mike, because I mostly love Mike, but, you know, if Mike does it, okay, well, we both have done this to each other, but, um, but you know, if Mike's saying, hey, I'm going to be there, and he's not there, you know, it would behoove me and our whole family, because we're all connected, it's the memory member body, <laughs> we are a body, it would be a blessing to go to Mike and be like, hey, Mike, can you help me understand, not judgmental, not like, you freaking jerk, why weren't you there? Um, but just help me understand, you said you were going to be there, this is actually the second week you've done this, what's going on, you know? Uh, so sometimes we don't talk, you know, that's what this person's saying, we're not honest, and so you got to go to people, and Jesus showed us the way, right, instead of going to talk to five people and getting wisdom on Mike, which I'm just gossiping, I'll just go to Mike (laughs) and say, hey, can you help me understand this? So anyway, yeah, good times. Um, Yep. Oh, man, the lady is really smart and pretty. Can I take her out on a date? (laughs) That might have came from someone with the name Dave. (laughs) If it didn't, I will call you out from the front. (laughs) Just want to make that clear. (laughs) Oh, there's too many here. They love this topic. We're going to jump back in for 20 minutes at the end on worship. Jesus had an inner circle. What's the difference between an inner circle and being clicky or exclusive? Uh, I don't know. Um, (laughs) I think it's really a heart posture like when I hear when I when I hear someone say clickish or exclusive I know how it's been to be on the receiving end of that even though I didn't go to high school because people are still in high school when they're in their 40s I guess sometimes (laughs) but I think that clicks leave no room there's like there's no room for anyone and I I don't, I don't think that that's God's heart. I think that it's okay to just have a few close friends. I really don't see a problem with that. But um, sometimes, sometimes you're called to to 
you know, break outside your friend group and go deeper with somebody that you don't know very well. And that's a really important thing. It's really important to recognize those people that God is putting around you because he needs us to do his work here. He's not here right now. We're here <laughs> for him. We're like hands and feet, right? So if we're surrounded by people that are in need and we're like, oh, I'm, but I'm kind of full socially, so I don't really have the time. Like, you can make a little time. You can, you can spare an hour. I know you, we can all waste an hour really easily. That's a currency that we have is our time. Like, if people ask me if they can hang out, I will say yes, I'm available from 6.30 a.m. to 8 a.m. That weeds out a lot of people. <laughs> but it's a, I'm available during that time. And I just feel like you need to be accessible. I think a click is inaccessible. There's like a status to it. It's like a hierarchy or something. I don't know. Feels like a mob a little bit. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's yeah. good. And I mean, God will highlight people in our life to push into friendship. I really believe that, you know. And you can't go deep with everyone, but I do. I do believe we're supposed to be open to the Holy Spirit bringing people into our life, and then intentionality. For any friendship to grow, you have to invest time, which means you have to say no to other things so you can say yes um, to that person. Seasons. Good, good. That's a good word, too. There are seasons. Um, Alan, our home group leader, click DNA is insecurity, Jesus DNA is discipleship. That's what he'll be talking about now. <laughs> good word, Alan. Super good word. Insecurity. So let's just stay on that topic because this is a great question. Any advice on getting past the fear of hurting people by saying no? Also, any advice on how to be so secure that you literally don't care about anyone's perception of you? How do you say no and also make someone feel loved? <laughs> wow. Um, I think if you want to say no and make that person feel loved, you have to love them. Because if you care about someone and you're saying no to them, they can sense that. You can just tell. You can tell if someone cares about you and they're saying no for that reason. And then what was the middle part of the question? I feel like. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. To not care about people's perception. Really love that. Um, I love to not care what people think. It is a very freeing thing. There are so many weirdos in the Bible. Jesus was so weird. He said some really bizarre things. John the Baptist is like my favorite. Like eating bugs and honey in the desert with a camel skin. So if you can't look at the people in the Bible and how odd they were, and like you got to embrace that. You just have to not care. Really love not caring. I'll say it took me a long time. I mean, I might still be in the process where my I could say no with the same as I can say yes. 
And that was because of the love of God. Like the more that you walk in the security of the love of God, it gets easier to say yes and no. Some of you will text me and I'll literally respond back with, what do you want to meet with? <laughs> I'm not being rude. I'm just like, my time is valuable. I'm happy, but like, I need to know why. And sometimes I'll tell you, people have asked me, hey, can I get time with you? And I'll be like, no. Um, because in this season I'm committed to these things, you know, and I'll sometimes tell them what I'm committed to. And I know I can't stretch myself over here when God's asked me to give myself to this group or this mentorship or whatever it is. Um, but again, you can't get that on the fly. You have to spend time with the father like Jesus did. He goes to the mountain, he gets a download of 12. He commits his life to them. Some want to follow him. He's like, no, go back to your hometown. You know, we'd be like, that's so mean, Jesus. You should just receive them all. And he loved them. Like you said, it wasn't from a mean place. It was just like, Hey, I'm already committed to these 12. I can't add any more to the circle, you know? So, all right. Um, we're going to land it soon. Why does making the right decision sometimes feel bad regarding plans or commitments? Why does making the right decision feel bad? Uh, because... Regarding plans or commitments. Well, plans and commitments, it's like... Kind of like how work is work. Like, it's not called play, it's called work. Like if you have commitments to things, it is not guaranteed that it's gonna be fun for you, but you need to be an adult and just commit and do those things. It's not gonna be all fun all the time to, you know, to, to fulfill your commitments. No one is saying that. Like, it is, it's delusional to think that it's like a party every day, but like when you read about the, just, sorry, I'm trying to gather my thoughts so I really don't go off the rails here. <laughs> I, I think that people need to approach their days from the posture of, meeting with God before you do anything else. And if something feels overwhelming or if something feels really unpleasant, do it unto him. Be committed because you're honoring him with your commitment. You honor God when you follow through. You're letting your yes be yes. There is honor in that. And I think that it is very... Um, it's very rare in the world to find people that honor their commitments and follow through and, um, and do things well, to finish things well. People like to, you know, flake out. It's hard to keep your commitments in life just on a lot of things. Um, I told Matthew and Heidi I was coming to their wedding, but I felt there's a Taylor Swift concert the same day. I'm joking, just being funny. <laughs> but what do I do now? <laughs> uh, some of you are like, oh, I know what I would do. Yeah, that's the wedding for sure. Um, all right, I think we're going to land it. Um, 
It's Travis's birthday. Travis, we bless you. We love you. I'm going to read some wise words for Travis. He's 25 today, and he texts us in, and I think it's spot on. It's a good ending. Just a thought. I think the longer that you're in community here, the easier it is to be ignorant of the fact that cliques and groups can form. At one point, you may have been on the outside looking in. This is a call to audit and look at your life to make sure you're not contributing to the issue at hand. Maybe you're not, but either way, the invitation is there to invite the Lord in. Thanks, Travis. So true.